Welcome to Social Scoop Podcast, hosted by your biz BFF, Kristen Busquette, and thank you for being here. Every Tuesday, we release a brand new episode for entrepreneurial influencers who are looking to more successfully and sustainably monetize their influence while keeping the soul in social media. We'll be spilling the tea on all the latest and greatest tests, features, and releases from the top social media platforms and bring you a valuable conversation with some of the top voices in the influencer and social media industry. Plus, I'm an open book. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about further, send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kbusk. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Social Scoop Podcast. I am your host, Kristen, and I am again going to start off today's episode with a little quote. It's actually my favorite quote of all time, and I decided I'm just going to start doing this every week. I think it's a really nice way to start off the episode and get you in the right mind space, the right mindset, all of those things. This quote is a quote from a great song by an artist named Russ. He is one of my favorite artists and I literally think this is like the corniest quote ever, but I love it so much and I feel like it just rings true to everything that we do as creators. The quote says, too busy watering my grass to check if yours is greener. Okay. I love this quote because I feel like on social media, there's just so much comparison and it's so easy for you to get caught up in just looking at what everyone else is doing and wondering like, why isn't mine that good? Or how come I'm not getting those results? And you spend so much time looking at what other people are doing that you forget you're not using that time wisely to work on yourself and work on your own things that you're doing. So too busy watering my grass to check if yours is greener. I have a really exciting update that I wanted to share with you this week before we get into all of our news. We have completely reformatted our program on Social Me. I wanted to make the program really accessible. And I know that for price with some people, there are certain limits and I totally understand that. I looked back at what my goal is and my goal with everything that I do is to basically help make a change in this creator and influencer industry and I really feel like the way to do that is by educating as many people as possible as quickly as possible so that we all know exactly what we should be doing what we deserve and we can kind of regulate this industry a little bit more so we put out our most affordable program ever. The program is a group coaching program. It's called Own Your Influence because we want to teach entrepreneurial influencers how to own their influence, okay? Own a business, own that influence, and turn it into something that's profitable, successful, sustainable. This will be a 10-week group coaching program where you will have access to me when you need it. You will have access to your entire community of students to bounce ideas off of, network with, all of these different things. Connect with people who are in the same boat as you. And of course, you will have access to all of the trainings that we do weekly. We're going to be doing each week a training section of our group calls and then a Q&A section. So we will be able to educate a ton of people with this program, and I'm really excited for the change that it makes. So today when you're listening to this, it is the 15th. This Friday on February 18th is when our waitlist opens. The waitlist does not commit you to the program. However, it does get you on a list where we will send you out the information when the program is readily available to enroll in. 
We have a pre-sale enrollment process where if you sign up during those dates, they will be on our website, of course. You get the program for even less expensive than everyone else will get it during the regular enrollment period. So in the description below, you will be able to find the wait list. It is going to be open now for anyone who is listening to the podcast. Everyone else is going to get it on the 18th. So I definitely suggest if you have any interest in really turning your social media platforms into a real legit business, just as I have over the last couple of years, definitely sign up to get on this wait list so you can learn more about the program as soon as it's ready to launch. So today we have some really awesome updates and some things that are being tested mostly by Instagram again this week. We haven't really had a lot of TikTok news. I do only have one TikTok update and it is that five minute TikTok videos are coming. This is something that has been confirmed and basically the three minute maximum duration of a TikTok video will be extended to five minutes. What I've realized is that the shorter videos definitely are a great way to get quick and easy views. However, I think your audience just as much appreciates those longer, more valuable, detailed videos where you have more time to give the information that you need to give. So you can do a great mixture of the both of them. Use half of those videos that are super short to hook your attention, get a bunch of people watching them and getting over them to your page. And then once they're on your page, that's a great time for them to spend a little bit more time on those longer duration videos where they can really learn and see the value that you have. So I'm excited for this. I did want to throw in some stats here that I learned along with this news. In 2020, the average suggested video length on TikTok was 11 to 17 seconds, whereas late last year in 2021, that almost doubled to 21 to 34 seconds. So we are definitely seeing that more people are liking the longer form videos on TikTok. And I will say, I think that that's because so many creators have been able to build loyal communities who really care about what they have to say and again want to spend more time with creators in their content so definitely something to think about i would say it would be a very smart move to have a nice mix of both longer and shorter videos especially if you have a lot to offer and a lot of value next up instagram has a new long press and hold to quick share to friends feature So on a post, you can now long press and hold that share symbol, the one that looks like a little paper airplane, and that will show you four people that you can quickly tap to share that post with. It's funny, my friend Zoe and I, we actually, every single one of our posts we share with each other so we can like start getting it going with the shares. And so I know Zoe is going to be like first person on my, my little share list there. So I'll easily be able to just click and share it right to her. So it's a cool feature if you have people that you're consistently sharing things back and forth with. I can see this being really helpful and a a big time saver. Also, Instagram is working on the possibility of pinning a reel in the reels tab. So last week we had talked about the ability of pinning a post to the top of your feed. This is also something that Instagram is exploring with the reels tab. So just like on TikTok, where you see the three pin posts at the top, this is something that Instagram is looking to duplicate. Again, I love this. I do definitely always use this pinning feature. You can use it for so many different things and, and again, provide so much different value depending on what videos you you put in your pin section. But I definitely really love this and I'm excited that it's also going to be coming, hopefully, to the Reels tab as well. 
Also recently, Adam Masseri said that they are exploring the idea of being able to share your saved posts and your saved collections with your audience and with your community. So this is something that actually came in a user question for Adam Masseri's Instagram story Q&As that he does. And he basically answered it saying that this is something that they're exploring. They don't have official news just yet, but it is something they're definitely thinking about. I can see this being really cool uh, for a few different reasons. I do feel like it will be really similar to guides because a lot of the saved stuff you could just put in a guide. However, if you have a lot of things in your your saved folders that you would like to share with your community, for example, if you are redoing your house and you have like a whole home decor saved folder, it would be really cool to share that folder with people so they understand the vibe of what you're looking for to decorate your house with. So I can see this being very, very helpful. I really like this feature. I don't think it's anything groundbreaking that I would use every single day, but I can definitely see how it would have its benefits. Also on Instagram stories, when you share any posts in stories, it will start to autoplay automatically. This is a brand new feature that actually is in place for a lot of people already. And it basically will allow, for example, if you share a video, like an Instagram video meme, say, if you share that right to your stories, instead of people having to click it to watch the video, it will automatically start playing through stories. I do see the benefits of this because obviously it makes it easier for people who are watching your stories to just automatically see it. However, I am very curious if this will count as a video view for people who originally posted the video because obviously when you go to the post and watch it, it counts as a view. But will this story share count as a view? I'm not really sure at this point. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there, but I can possibly see it being a little bit of a negative thing because then people would not feel so inclined to click on that post and actually go to it and watch it if they've already been able to watch it on the story where it was shared. Overall, though, I think we have actually a pretty good week of Instagram news. I have to say I've been feeling a lot more positive about the platform as of recently. I think it's really been such a big mindset shift, and I do love to talk about these kind of things. I know for SocialMate, one of our big things is bringing the soul back into social media and recognizing that there is a lot of mental challenges that go along with being in the social media space. I've really tried to change my mindset to kind of that idea of as long as I'm putting out my best and I'm doing everything I possibly can to have a positive result, it's out of my hands at a certain point. And I have to remind myself of that because if I don't, I'm going to continuously blame the negative results on myself. And I think it's always important to self-audit and make sure you are really doing what you what you came out there to do and you're really fulfilling you know, your responsibilities as a creator as best you can. But there really is a point where after you've checked all of those boxes, you have to be able to say, you know what, it is what it is. Not every post is going to be your best post. Sometimes it's going to be out of your hands. You're going to move on though, and you're going to post again tomorrow or the next day, and it could be your best post yet. So if you let these little frustrations of things not performing well get in your way, you may stop doing what you love because you're discouraged. And I just feel like that's the worst thing you can do for yourself. You have to push through 
keep going, keep a positive mindset about this platform if you want to sustain a career here. I will tell you I've been doing this for years. Every single day is a different struggle. I'm not going to say that it's easy, but over the years, I have become more and more comfortable with saying it's out of my hands, what will be will be, and just trying to move on and do better in the future. So there's my two cents for the day. I really hope that you can take all of this information and, and really, really take it to heart and really think about it. Keep it as a reminder. Hear my voice anytime you're getting frustrated on Instagram, me telling you it is out of your hands. Tomorrow could be better. If not, maybe the next day. Speaking of self-care and positive mindset, I want to introduce you to today's guest, Gigi Robinson, who is a friend of mine that I recently met on Instagram. And she has just such a wealth of knowledge in terms of being a creator, but also when it comes to mindset. So I'm really excited for you to hear our little interview and I hope you really enjoy it. Without further ado, here's my friend Gigi. Guys, I have such a treat for you today. I have Gigi here who is going to tell us all about her journey as a creator, entrepreneur, like a little bit of everything. So Gigi, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be super fun and I can't wait to get into it. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do now, but also how you kind of got to where you are now. Yeah, loaded question, but hello everyone. My name's Gigi Robinson. I'm a content creator, public speaker, um, and advocate. I have been technically trained, you know, for the past probably 15 years with photography and graphic design. I went to college at USC. I got a BFA and I focus predominantly on photo and design and cinematography. And then I, over the pandemic, realized like, oh, I kind of want to learn more about business and technology. So I enrolled in a master's degree that is also an online degree. So I can complete it right here from New York City and my school is in California. So I stayed with USC, fight on to any Trojans listening. And I ultimately decided on the path of social media because I... Ultimately, I loved photography and videography, but for me, I was like, I don't think that this is like a moneymaker. Like I just have always been told photographers and videographers are constantly like starving artists. They're struggling. And that was a limiting belief because obviously I know that's not true now, but as a teenager or 18, 19, 20, I'm like thinking to myself, like about the future. I'm like, oh my God, like, how am I going to make it? What's going to happen? So because I was in Los Angeles, I kind of had of a lens of the entertainment industry that like seems so glitzy and glam and obviously all the OG YouTubers are there and whatnot. So there was a lot of inspiration around me. I was at USC, best film school in the world. And essentially there was a club on my campus founded by a couple creators who are pretty big now. Markion with the Smile Squad party shirt, I think 12 million on TikTok or something crazy like oh that. Gosh. And then I, I joined the club and I was like, I want to make my photos like, you know, front and center when it comes to working with brands. I always did want to shoot commercially for brands, but I kind of pushed myself. I started making right. videos um, for Facebook, a couple viral videos. Then I started making photography for brands shooting in front of the lens and 
so on and so forth. And I mean, this club is, we've pumped out a bunch of really awesome creators and it's to over a hundred members at this point. And it's five years old, which is also crazy to think about. And I feel like a veteran uh, of the club, which I am obviously graduated, but yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am today. That's really awesome. I am so grateful because it taught me a lot about like public speaking and being a leader and organizing events and whatnot. And I mean, when I was head of programming, I also had the benefit of doing that when we were completely virtual. So it was like, I was able to reach all of these people in the social media industry who were bored out of their minds because they were so used to being in person. Right. So I had like people from Warner Bros, Paramount, Google, YouTube, you know, Kendra Scott, Beach Waver, so on and so forth. So it was just a really cool opportunity, but yeah, definitely an alumni. It was called USC Reach for anybody so cool. uh, interested. Yeah. Loved it. Love them. Love all of those people. Yeah, I love that. That's, it's cool that you were able to be a part of a community like that. It's interesting because I graduated college in 2014 and we had mm-hmm. literally nothing like that because I mean, social media was not what it is today, Right. but I'm curious to hear more about you going back to school and doing your virtual schooling. So what are some of the things that you're learning in this program? Yeah. So there's a couple of different things. And again, part of the reason why I decided to continue my education with a master's degree was because I learned about critical thinking, about art history, about storytelling in my BFA. And I didn't learn anything really about business or social media. Everything that I know is like completely self-taught and it's just been myself kind of like catching up to, I guess, the world around me with it and figuring out like, okay, like how do I run a business as a content creator? How do I set up an LLC? How is this different if I were to, you know, be a photographer? What are the usage rights like? All of that stuff. So this degree is uh, basic. It's called the Masters of Science in Integrated Business Design and Technology. And it's at the USC Jimmy Ivan Young Academy. So very long name um, and can be very difficult to kind of like understand, but I kind of you know, look at it this way. You can pick and choose what you want to learn. I specifically am focusing on kind of like the intersection of design and technology right now. And like the business is like that other fundamental piece that I'm really learning how to like implement and make projects. And, you know, right now I'm literally in a class uh, called the community playbook, where we're learning about building communities across different platforms, specifically in the web three and creator space, which is obviously very timely absolutely perfect. And it's cool because I'm planning on launching a project in the near future. So watch out for that. But (laughs) you know, it's, it's super interesting. And then I'm in, you know, a business essentials class, like very basic business across the board kind of thing, so on and so forth. And you just get to learn a lot of different things, a lot of design sprints, a lot of creative, you know, spitballing and just like learning, falling on your face, having the teachers kind of correct you and guide you. And the other thing that's so cool about it is again, it's a master's program and people are literally spread out all over the country, international, different time zones, different backgrounds. We have people who are super good at business, super good at design, super good at, you know, coding, all that stuff. And we get to kind of like all workshop together, which is really, really, it's been so awesome. And I mean, I'm paying for it out of pocket with basically all of my, uh, my money. So it's been pretty crazy to do, but I feel really proud to do that at 23. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really cool. I always think about going back to school, but I'm just like, what if I like 
don't get out of it what I'm expecting to get out of it. So I, I'm always curious to hear about people's experiences, but it does sound like it's, it's really cool. So that's really awesome. And I'm, I'm happy for you. It's cool that you're taking that step and I'm sure yeah. you're going to have, you know, a ton more knowledge that will take you through wherever your business takes you <laughs> in yeah. the next few years. So what do you kind of consider yourself now? Because I, I mean, you've already touched on just a few of the things that you do, you know, creator, a public speaker, an advocate, like, what do you say when people say like, Oh, what do you do? So I actually did this on a podcast the other day and it was really fun. Someone just said, give me your like 30 minute elevator pitch. And I said, okay, but like, here I go. So normally right. Um, it would be, hi everyone. My name is Gigi Robinson. I am a digital content creator, traveler, an entrepreneur, and a public speaker talking about the intersection of mental health and social media. Some of the other pillars I talk about are body image and chronic illness. And I just want to help instill confidence within you throughout all of my social platforms. Pretty good wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it pretty much changes all the time. And literally I, I had one teacher say to me in college, like Gigi, like you're a jack of all trades. Like and I love that. And I was like, you love that because normally everybody's always telling me to like do one thing, focus right. on one thing. But the, the full quote, which I love is Jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And we always leave that extra part out. So I'm like an advocate for doing as much as you can and learning. And that's the other thing you have to be open to learning and like interested in learning. And that's something that I am very interested and invested in doing. Obviously, again, why would I pay for a master's degree <laughs> if I didn't want to learn? Um, right. Not to say that that's the only way you can do it. You have to do it also by like inspired action. So for me, that's testing a bunch of different kinds of video formats, testing right. different posting formats, testing different offerings, so on and so forth. So that is super important to me, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a benefit in it and it took a long time to like get here. Like I didn't always know that I was going to go this route. I used to just like shoot photos for brands. And then I was like, oh, I'll shoot photos and videos for brands. Then it was like, oh, I'll shoot photo video and talk about the brand. Oh, I'll right. you know jump in front of the camera. Oh, I'll speak on a panel for your event, like so on and so forth. Yeah. It's funny. We have very similar backgrounds in that way where I started doing photography as well. And that's how I ended up in this industry too. And one thing that I struggle with, and I'm curious to know if you do as well, but one thing that I struggle with is I, being a photographer, I love high quality, beautiful, crisp photo and everything. But the way that content has been moving as of recently is a lot of like more casual iPhone photos, or even just like more video. That's like really casual, easy video. Do you ever miss like the focus, I guess, on professional photography, or, or do you still kind of try and incorporate both of them? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love this question because I think it's completely individual. If you are somebody that wants to shoot photography, people are following you likely because they want to see your photography. And I think that's the key thing that people forget, like, is like you develop your own brand voice as a creator. And if you decide to change that because everyone around you is changing it, then you're straying away from your mission. So um, I incorporate both. Like if I'm out and I'm shooting something and like, I'm having fun. And I want to take a cute little selfie of me, like doing a time-lapse or like working, or I'm with a friend and we take like a selfie. Like 
I'm going to post that. Like, I don't really give a shit if I want to set my camera up and I want to take some, you know, HD photos, 4k photos with my DSLR, my mirrorless camera. Like I'm going to do that. I didn't, I didn't have to, you know, shoot 4k photos of me with my Forbes article, but I did because that's like who I am. That's my brand. I have fun with it. And that's also the way that like, I get inspired to continue doing that. So I think it's all about momentum. And if you decide to go one route, you're going to build momentum either way, whether that's online or in real life. So again, for me, I mix it up, but I, I like to keep it real. And that's also a part of my brand and my platform is like, sometimes I do post a iPhone photo and maybe it's about like my burnout. Like I'm not going to set up a whole tripod to take a photo (laughs) of me being burnt out. Like, no, that's likely going to be a selfie or like a self-timer photo of me being like, I'm miserable right now. <laughs> like, please help. So I think it's really very individual. It's, I, pr- I just do whatever I want. And again, my audience knows that. I think there's times where depending on the written copy that goes with it, like a post will perform better than the other, but I don't, I don't know. It's very, it's just very individual. That's what yeah. I have to say on that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think it's a good point that you brought up about, you know, it really is so related to what your brand is as a creator. You know, like if I'm someone who got my start on professional photography and like, that's one of my main things that I, I teach and that I add value in, then of course it makes sense that I share a lot of professional photographies, but it's cool to think about like how a lot of people are mixing, you know, real like HD, 4k, whatever photography with, you know, iPhone photos and things like that. And and it works, you know, like it doesn't all need to be professional, which I do sometimes appreciate because sometimes it's true. You want to just like throw something up and what feels right for you in the moment. And I think it takes a little bit of the the pressure off too, because I know a lot of creators are so focused on, on their whole feed looking perfect. But I personally think that that is becoming less and less important as time goes on. Yeah. And on top of that, like, I know I'm sure we're going to get into this when it comes to brand deals, but I shoot. 4k photo for my brands and video. Like I don't do ads anymore that are not a production. And that's just because I like to think of each job, like the way that I can differentiate it is by medium. And if I am using a tool that is like, you know, like you're, you're, you're hiring me because of my expertise. Right. And if my way of expressing that is through a certain tool and it helps me elevate my brand, it helps me create my best work, then I'm going to do that. Again, individual preference. That's just what I do. I have friends with 8 million, 9 million followers and they shoot everything on their iPhone. They don't shoot anything on video with a 4k camera or DSLR or even a point and shoot. So it just, it just depends what you like. And that's just a part of what people get when they work with me. It's a very crafted, unique experience. And um, it's very, very specific to me. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm sure in a lot of situations, it probably does give you a leg up because a lot of brands are looking for that specific type of content. And if that's something that you're able to show, like, this is what I excel in, this is what I, I can master, you know, then I'm sure they would rather hire you than someone who like sometimes, you know, posts ads that are like, iPhone quality and sometimes post like the most beautiful commercial worthy 
you know, like again, right. 4k video kind of, kind of post. So it could definitely give you the leg up in a lot of situations. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. So everything you need is within is your podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. And I'm also really curious to hear more about Spotify green room, because this is actually something before we had first met, I had never heard of before. So I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, I guess I'll start off with the concept of Green Room first, which is Spotify's live audio platform. Kind of similarly, this is how I always describe it because it's just how people get it. The girls that get it, get it. Okay, you guys, the the way that Snapchat came out with Snap Stories and we loved it, right? And then Instagram came out with it and we were like, there's no way that's going to stick. And then <laughs> lo and behold, Snapchat has it, Facebook has it, you know, Twitter, I think Twitter has it. LinkedIn had it for a second. Like stories became the norm. This is what's happening with live audio. Clubhouse was kind of the originator. And so, you know, over the past year and a half, two years, it's evolved. So now LinkedIn has it, LinkedIn audio, Twitter spaces, Facebook audio, Spotify, green room, so on and so forth. So more platforms are coming out with it in the same way that they come out with stories. So this is just Spotify's version, which I am, you know, biased towards because I have a deal with them. They're my biggest brand partner at the moment. And I am like in love with it. And part of that is because it really helps elevate the experience of community when it comes to live audio and podcasting. This is just the kind of podcast that I always wanted to have. So also diving into that, I started everything you need is within a little uh, over a year ago on Instagram live. I wanted it to be a unique interactive experience where people could comment. People could come up and ask a question. People could hear from thought leaders in the influencer industry or a viral creator that was going to provide value around something that they've done, whether that was in body image, mental health, chronic illness, or the advocacy spaces. So obviously very broad topics, but the point was about the confidence that was instilled in those people to like help them get to where they are today. So that's what I want to help instill in my viewers and my audiences. So having that interactivity was imperative for me. So I basically did that for four months until the end of April and something was like wrong. Something was going on. The universe was like, "Mm, I don't think so, honey. Like you got to (laughs) pause. Something's not working. And I was like, "Mm, this is really frustrating. And for a while I resisted it. I tried to, you know, book people. They would cancel. I literally had, I did like two shows and they literally didn't save on Instagram. Like the app crashed and it was gone. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, something with the universe is literally telling me to like stop and pause. So I did that and I said, okay, make a pitch deck, show off your show, show off the accomplishments, create a vision for the show and pitch it around to media studios. Like you're going to get a deal. And I had wanted to, I, I think big, like I'm not the kind of person that's like, oh, like maybe some network that I don't even know about is going to pick me up. I'm like, nah, I'm going to have a Spotify original. That's the way it's going to be. Yes. Um, it's going to happen one day. And like, that's just the way that it's going to be. So I like envisioned it. It was a matter of time catching up. And I, I don't know. I, I somehow found someone's email. I emailed the network and got a hold of someone else. And they were like, hi, we have this new audio platform coming out. We would love for you to, you know, be a part of it. Talk to our team, talk to the team loved it, signed a deal on the spot. And then the rest is kind of history of like where we are today. And I've been iterating on it and 
Now I am on to season three, same concept. We're going to be going through a little rebrand though, changing some structural things with the show. And I'm just super excited to like continue to evolve. And I think that's something that you'll learn with like any kind of work or show or podcast that you do is that you're always going to have to evolve and change things until something sticks. And for me, like it's been a great learning experience. Did I know anything about podcasting a year ago? No. Do I really still know anything about it? Honestly, no. Like I have a producer. (laughs) I hired someone to make my video, to make my videos with the video aspect of it. I have someone doing my social media for me because I don't have time. I, you know, I, I have all these people helping me, but like, I'm not doing it by myself. And I think that that is also like, kind of like a testament to just like figuring it out as you go. Like you don't have to do it all by yourself. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you touched on something really important, I think for a lot of creators, which is outsourcing. I mean, yes, you can be a jack of all trades, you know, but at the end of the day, there are still going to be things that there may be other people who can do it 10 times better than you can. And it's so smart. Yeah. And faster for sure. That's important. And it's so smart for you to say, you know, like I would rather take this bit of money that I need to pay them so that I can outsource this to someone else who can, again, do it more efficiently, do it better, and then have a better result at the end of the day. And and then it saves you a lot of time where you can take that time and put it into maybe like pitching to more brands or, you know, finding other ways that you can, uh, you know, boost your business. So I think outsourcing is one of the most important things. And it's scary for a lot of creators because they're like, well, I don't want to invest the money in like a graphic designer or someone to run my social media, because obviously at the end of the day, it's you're spending money, but if you can spend money to have more time that you can do things that you excel at. I just think it's like, so it's such a smart move on any business yeah. owner's part. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way. You're opening a restaurant. You're not doing everything yourself. You're not building foundation. You're not building the appliances you're right. going to cook on. Right. Like you have to have, you have to have that help and you have to put that investment in. And I think that's the biggest mistake that creators who want to do this full time make is thinking they can do it all themselves. Sounds like that's why we have teams. That's why we grow. That's why we get managers right. and agents and virtual assistants. Like there's just simply not enough time in the day. And like you said, you are investing money to get your time back so that you can excel and make your business better ultimately. Right. Or even if you just don't want to work 24 hours a day and you need some more mental health that time, too. like there's, that's a that great, too. <laughs> a great reason as well. So with your, your Spotify green room show, like I know you take that and then put it on as a podcast so people can listen to it after, yeah. but for the actual live component. Now, something that I always remember with clubhouse, I I don't really use it too much anymore, but I remember sometimes I would start a room and it would be like crickets in there, you know, like maybe a couple other people. But when I did have people come in, a lot of the times it was just people that had randomly found my room, you know, like it, it usually wasn't like people that I specifically invited there. It was kind of just like, they must've stumbled upon it. So with Spotify green room, do you find that First of all, like when you first started, did you have a lot of those moments where you were like, oh man, like there's not a lot of people in here. I'm not really sure what I should do. And then also, you know, like how, how did that make you move forward? You know, cause I feel like that's can be a little discouraging when you first launch something and it's not immediate success. A lot of people would stop there. And, you know, I, I, I've been there quite a few times in, in different portions of my business where I, I haven't wanted to continue on because I didn't get the result I was thinking I was going to get. 
Yeah. I mean, I think originally there were those cricket moments, but I mean, now I have almost 3000 followers on the platform, which is like wild to me because I'm like, oh my God, like people actually like want to listen to what I have to say, what? Um, And it's like a platform that again, nobody really knows about. So I'm like, who the heck is listening? But I mean, part of what I love about Green Room is that it is a podcasting tool. Essentially, you can go live, you can have it be recorded. And when those people do come in, there's actually a chat that you can enable or not enable. And Mm -hmm. that's where people can kind of like interact with you as you go through. But if nobody comes into my room, I'm totally fine with that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm just making this into a podcast. Like normally if you're recording a podcast, no one would be listening besides you and the host (laughs) or you and the guest. So I'm like totally fine with that. And I think part of not having anyone there is it's, it's definitely like discouraging at times, but also like, you just can't take it personally. People are busy. Like you're busy. You're taking time out of your day to like share it. And if one person hears it, cool. If not, you're like, okay, what was the problem? Was it the time? Was it the topic? Was it the, you know, saturation of the app right now? Like, did you not plan? Did you not promote it? There's so many different things that come into that. And also if you are feeling low about it, like I would say like, does it have to do with your ego, right? Like, are you okay with like talking in a recorded room by yourself for hours, like, or maybe not hours, but like an (laughs) hour or like a half an hour. Right. I'm perfectly fine because I'm the kind of person that will literally just ramble on and on and on and on. Um, trying to get better at that, hone that (laughs) a little bit more, get a little more curated and crafty with my conversations, but yeah, that is that. I hope that made sense. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were able to get, you know, this, this deal with Spotify, you took the step to pitch to the brand. Now I'm curious because you've been in a a ton of different pieces in the press, you know, from Bustle to Vogue business. How did you acquire those opportunities? Were those also things that you went out and pitched yourself for? Is a, a lot of it kind of like things that came in your email? Yeah, there's a couple of different things that I would love to talk about when it comes to pitching PR. About a year ago, like when I started this show and when I really started talking about mental health, body image, chronic illness more online, I was getting approached so much. And I just like, at first was taking all of these opportunities to like talk to these journalists, but I wasn't like, I don't know if I was a hundred percent aligned with all of them. Like they all did make sense. And it was like super dope that I got these opportunities, but at the same time, I don't know how like aligned they truly were. So I actually hired a publicist to just manage all of the inbound requests because I just like, I just don't have time to go through and pitch myself to journalists to talk. So if you're starting out and you're interested in pitching, I was actually talking with a friend of mine about this last night is why do you want press? Like, and what do you think it's going to get for you? Do you think it's going to get you more stuff? Like for me, it was a matter of literally like inbound things. People were talking about me. I was overwhelmed. I was like, I need to help outsource. Let me get somebody who knows this and has the relationships with the right people to like either pitch me for a story because that's the other side of PR is they are pitching you and pitch, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you want press for a new show, whether you want it to become more a more established leader in your industry, whether you want it to just like get verified is like the whole myth, right? Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. need press to get verified. Like, yes, that's part of it. But also it's, I think, unfortunately, a little bit about nepotism within the industry or unless you blow up overnight. So those are all things that are involved, but yeah, really think about why. And also think about like, 
what your story would be. I think, again, the biggest misconception here is like, I want to, I want to get a, you know, an interview in Vogue, or I want to have a column in Forbes. It's like, why? Like, what's your story? What are you going to contribute? And what's your value to the the consumer, right? It's not just a news blast story. Like the celebrities get the news blast story, but they're celebrities for a reason, right? Like they have already overcome those valuable elements to society, or they've done something that, you know, breaks the internet, whatever that whole side of things is like different. And Once you can figure out your value, I think you have to build case studies. Once you build case studies, you actually have to start talking about it. And once you start talking about it, then and only then do I personally think it's a good time to either invest in pitching or, you know, have people start approaching you or hire somebody um, to do it for you. So that is the key with PR. So tell me a little bit more about case studies, because I'm not sure that everyone will fully understand like exactly what those look like in this kind of situation. Yeah. So a case study for those that don't know, essentially it's like a roundup or a one pager. Uh, I don't know if that's jargon as well, but basically grab like a presentation slide or, you know, standard letter size, eight by 10, eight by 11. Get on Canva. And yeah, you could go right on Canva and you can do it. And you can essentially have it say like, you know, GG times Playboy, you know, And then a little description about Gigi was hired to work with Playboy as a social media content creator for the night to create content about confidence and comedy. And here are the, or here's the social proof um, and the evidence of how well those videos did. After that, you can go and either pitch that to brands or you can pitch that to people um, in the industry journalists and say, look, like, you know, you want to talk about confidence. Here's a creator. Here is, you know, Playboy paying her to create this content about confidence at one of their art Basel events, which this is literally an event that happened. That's why I'm coming up with it. And um, my videos performed really well on their account. So I'm super proud of that. Another case study that you could do is, you know, talking about elevating other people's voices. What are the things that I do to give back? So you know, I partnered with Yahoo, I've partnered with Made of Millions, I've partnered with the Jed Foundation, so on and so forth, and talking about those things with, again, the screenshots of it on a deck, make it super pretty, talk about the exact activation or the exact partnership that you did and why that makes you a leader in the industry. And when you send this out to brands, they will be able to kind of take a look at it and be like, or I say brands because you can send this to brands to land partnerships, but also to journalists to be like, here's like, again, the actual proof. My media kit has my case studies in it. And I have a really unique approach on media kits, which I'm happy to go into, but like it was literally featured on Fox like two days ago, which was crazy. I'm about to post about it too, but it's just like, it shows me that people are valuing that. And the reason case studies are so important is because it tells the story of who you are as a creator and like what your integrity is. It's not just, oh, you're an influencer, blah, like you're cool. <laughs> you have clout. It's like, right. oh, you actually are making waves outside of social media. So that's what yes, I, I love that. Yeah. And actually one thing I did have here noted that I wanted to talk to you about was your media kit. So that is something, like you said, it was just featured. It was business insider, right? Yeah, Business Insider, and it was just featured on Fox, which I didn't post about the segment yet. So I'm literally, it's like queued up after this episode that I'm working through, but yeah. Yay. So, so tell us what goes into a solid media influencer kit. So 
I have had so many different iterations over the course of the past, you know, three years that I've really been doing this. There's a couple different things that you can do. You can go by the standardized template that, you know, Canva gives you, right? You have your numbers and your photos and your rates, right? That's, that's level beginner doesn't really know what they're doing, um, but just does whatever they have to do to get through it. And that works for a certain amount of time. Then again, as you build case studies, you change the brands around, you start manipulating it a little more, you start working with, you know, the format a little bit more. And I think it gets stronger. A lot of the time also you'll see insights, you'll see engagement rates, you'll see numbers. The only thing it's about is numbers, blah, blah, blah. We always talk about being authentic. You know, it's not authentic talking to somebody as if they're a fucking number. So (laughs) I believe in storytelling when it comes to a media kit, I uh, have some screenshots of my social profile so people can see the numbers, but it's one slide. I don't talk about my rates. I don't talk about my engagement. I talk exclusively about who I am and the story of how I got here and what the brand will get from working with me and my audience. So that is, again, very unique to me. It's landed me deals with Best Buy, with Spotify, with Playboy. Like, I can't make this shit up. (laughs) I have the social proof um, that it works. And I'm, I'm not saying that like other things didn't work when I didn't even have a media kit. I landed a partnership with Abercrombie and Timberland. So like it literally is all over the place and a lot of different things work for different reasons. Some brands really only do want to work with people that have good engagement and they think that it's going to translate to more. But I also think something interesting to know is the way that content creators are kind of being viewed as and influencers are being viewed as because we're not necessarily the sales funnel. We are exclusively like the content makers. It's the same as like the photographer is not going to be your social media manager as well, or the photographer is not going to guarantee that, you know, you get placed in a magazine just because they took your photo, right? That's the same for creators. Just because they're posting to their network doesn't mean that you're going to get sales out of it. So definitely note that, but obviously engagement rate ultimately is a part of it. Like after I get in the talks with them, it normally like, they'll be like, oh, what's your engagement rate? And then I'm like, oh, for sure. Like I'll send it over. Like, it's not like I'm gatekeeping it. Also there's like, the other thing that bothers me is like, there's literally platforms that they have on their side of things that runs all of this. Like they just want to see it for their own. And I'm like, Okay. Annoying. Can't you guys Um, figure this out yourself? (laughs) Okay. Literally. And then there are also other platforms that a lot of creators are using. I think there's one called mediakits.com. That's like huge on TikTok right now. Like apparently the big celebrities use them like Josh Richards. I don't really know. I logged on, I made a media kit, but it didn't like, I don't think that that's actually what people use because like, it's just so simple. And so like surface level. And again, This might just be because I was changing critical thinking and storytelling and visual art that I need something more, um, that I need to tell that story, but it's not like that for everyone. Like you have 2 million followers and all you talk about is fashion and you don't want to tell a story. You just want to land brand partnerships because of that, like all power to you, girlfriend, like go for that. So that's, this is just my philosophy and my media kit is about 17 or 21 pages long. I can't remember. And again, storytelling visually, right? They always say show, don't tell, right? So I show it with case studies, with quotes, with reviews, so on and so forth. That's awesome. Yeah, it definitely is 
quite a different perspective on media kits, but I think you, you're probably on to something there because at, there's going to be a certain point where everyone's media kits look like exactly the same. And so I think it's pretty cool that you have one that kind of comes at it from a different perspective that a lot of brands might be like, Oh, you know, like this isn't what I expected. Let me read through it. Yeah. And then as they're reading through it, they get, you know, more and more comfortable with who you are and, and, essentially fall more in love with you. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we definitely want to hire this person. So it's a, it's a really smart way of looking at it. And I can definitely see, you know, that being very beneficial for people to put a little bit more effort into their media kit so that it does stand out. So when you're pitching to a brand, you know, if they ask for a media kit, whatever you're sending it over, but when you are sending a pitch to a brand that maybe you want to work with for like some sponsored work, what goes into a really great pitch. Like what kind of, what goes into the pitches that you've sent that have like gotten really good responses or, or actually turned into partnerships? Yeah, I guess the same way I did the elevator pitch, I can kind of just like read off what I might say. So it's usually like, hi, Bob, I, my name is Gigi Robinson. And then I hyperlink my Instagram profile or website. I recently saw this post that you made about, you know, your new product or about this launch or whatever, something that caught your eye. I really enjoyed uh, watching it because of how interactive it was or because of, whatever, how, I, yeah, how you resonated to it. I'm reaching out because I absolutely loved it. And I love your brand. I wanted to know if there's any opportunities for us to work together. I have, you know, X amount of years doing content creation and photography. I also have created brands for not necessarily competitors, but like put right. other big names there that would work. You know, I've attached my media kit in case you are interested. I look forward to hearing back and can't wait to hear back from you soon. Cheers. Bye best. Love ya. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I try to keep it and I attach my media kit. I yep. keep it simple because the more you write, the less people. And I just think it's important. I have added someone to my team to do all my outreach for me because again, don't have time anymore. So that is pretty much that. And the pitch stays the same. She just kind of like works on it on her own. But yeah, I, I think that aspect of like the handwritten, like I saw this post and then linking the post that you saw, it just builds the relationship and like the trust that you actually care about the brand and that you're not just like fiending for money. Right. Um, You're paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I definitely have like, copy and pasted for sure. Cause you can have a template, but you like copy and paste and you accidentally send an email to a brand and you're like, Oh shit. And then you get ghosted. It's like, it happens to all of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like you haven't pitched if that hasn't happened to you. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's, that's really important. And I think going into the pitch, having already like, you know, maybe Follow them on Instagram, send them a few DMs, like, you know, engage with their content, like let them know that you are paying attention is so important and just start, you know, a really authentic relationship with the brand. But speaking of authenticity, obviously the topics that you talk about, you know, you have to be very authentic with, with body positivity and chronic illness, the things that you're talking about most. So do you find that you know, that's been a huge pillar of your brand on socials is being authentic and kind of like, what are the pros and cons of sharing who you are and like your real deep, true self with the entire internet? It's scary for a lot of people. Yeah. 
it's definitely scary or can be at times. I try to just not take the negative aspects of it, whether that's like a negative thing that I have, like a limiting belief in my mind about it, or if that's from someone else. And I just don't take it personally. Like I know that if somebody leaves a negative comment and it's about my body or my chronic illness, it likely has something to do with them. And if there's somebody that again is like, saying something nasty about my chronic illness. It's like, do you know anyone with chronic migraines or, you know, IBS or diabetes, Bob, like, please mind your business because (laughs) my chronic illness is absolutely no different. It's worthy. And it means a lot. Um, I always talk about this, but part of my inspiration for talking about chronic illness um, and mental health first and foremost is because when I was growing up, I was diagnosed with my chronic illness around age 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. And I didn't have anyone to look up to on social media. There was nothing that instilled confidence in me that like I was alone. And I just wanted to build a community online, whether that was again on TikTok, on Instagram, Facebook group about confidence and whether that again was with chronic illness or that morphed into being about your body or your mental health, or even in just posting online. That was really important to me. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I made my podcast about this for those exact reasons. I made my profiles about this because it's really something that like I have needed to heal my inner child. And like, I don't know, I feel like we could go super deep there, but like, I don't really (laughs) feel like we should just like really just like belonging to be belonging to something. Right. And from that, I figured like, whatever, if I start talking about something I'm struggling with, somebody else is struggling too. like it's just like, you're never alone, no matter how alone you feel. And especially at at times where I think, especially Gen Z is so vulnerable online and so open to talking about their things online, that it's maybe inspiring older generations to realize they're not alone when they're going through things. So I just, I just hope that it's like a little corner of positivity wherever. And it's kind of like a little bit of a form of escapism. And again, I have all of like nasty words and everything. I just block them from my profile, like in the settings where it's like block these phrases or something or block these words. So I don't even let myself see it, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about it. And I guess my advice to anybody that's like interested is like, you don't owe the internet anything. And you have to remember that when you're curating these stories, you don't, I don't owe people my story. I don't owe anybody my experience. I just share it because I feel like it's going to help others. And it's something that helps me. So if posting about how you're feeling with your burnout or your mental health helps you on your healing journey to recovering from burnout or recovering from body dysmorphia or an eating disorder or a mental health um, challenge, and it helps you become a, a more you know, I don't know how to describe it helps you become like healed in some ways, or it helps you grow. It it makes you stronger. Exactly. That that's the real goal. Yeah. I think uh, even in any niche quote unquote, you know, like any of the different topics that you're talking about online, there's always going to be someone who has something to say. I mean, even for me, like I'm sharing, you know, tips about influencers and like, I get comments all the time. Oh, influencing is not a real job. Like there are literally people out there who still think that, and you know, they love to give their opinion on that. But I always try and just think about like the people that I'm helping and like how much I'm helping them is 
the best part about it. And like, I can look at that kind of stuff and think that that's just so much more powerful than the people who are trying to bring me down and, and, you know, like put my content down. So it's always helpful for me to just like, you know, really think about the positives and again, just try and focus on that and, and push through. I'm sure with TikTok, you've definitely experienced more hate, you know, like TikTok is, I don't know what it is about TikTok, but I find that people are just absolutely ruthless on TikTok. They will say anything they want to say. So I was curious to know your different feelings about both platforms, TikTok versus Instagram. Yeah. So I have a lot of things to say. (laughs) I, I grew on TikTok very quickly in the beginning of 2020. I was like, I like to consider myself kind of like an OG TikToker. Like I was on TikTok from 2018 to really the middle of 2020, 2020. And so, yeah, I was like there for a while and I you know, knew all of the OG trends and everything before it became mainstream when everyone was inside, didn't have anything to do and like let that exploded. So, you know, it was a different environment before that, like before the pandemic TikTok happened and over pandemic TikTok, obviously we also had a crazy year of experience, a lot of social injustice around the world, a lot of oppression towards a lot of minority communities. And I did not like how that platform fostered negativity and oppressed a lot of marginalized content and voices and just the way that people were, again, ruthless about body image, the way that the platform censored bodies on the app really, really frustrated me. So I literally just kind of took a hiatus. Like I was like, peace out. And I shifted to Instagram, going back to my roots, photography, understanding and figuring out like how I could cultivate a similar community in mind over on Instagram. And I'm just now getting back into TikTok, kind of getting over that. Like that was like, in a way, like I should have just pushed through it because obviously like whatever, I took it personally and I shouldn't have. And who knows, I may have been like bigger on TikTok since then, but again, learning curve. So Instagram, I think will always be my home because I go back to my roots, love photography. And as they come out with more video features, I figure out ways to like incorporate that in and just seeing how they perform like here and there is like really cool. So I'm going to go with team Instagram, but I also (laughs) do love TikTok. I was a TikTok ambassador in college. Again, it was because of my presence on the platform that they were like, you ma'am. And I, I created content about unboxings and different like reviews. And I was like, this is so stupid. And I'm not talking about things that mean anything to me. And I don't like that. And again, this is all personal preference. I don't have any desire to make content about like empty things, TikTok and video and content creation and neat, like your niche can be whatever you want. Mine just specifically is in advocacy and mental health and having conversations about things that people all go through, not necessarily just like a product review. So that was a big shift for me when I did that. And also because I made an audience that was pretty big of unboxings and product reviews. When I talked about mental health, they were like, what? Yeah. So (laughs) I've had to rebrand and shift there. And it's been, again, a learning curve, leaving and coming back. My engagement's down. I lost a couple thousand followers. I think 
when we first talked, I mentioned to you that like I, that I posted a couple of videos about these hair care products that I use. And like, they're very controversial hair care products because they're from an MLM. And I literally have been using these products for years. It's like the same if you've been eating the same butter for years, you guys, like it's literally fucking shampoo. Why do you give a damn so much about where I buy it from or how I wash my hair? Like it's literally so dumb. And anti MLM TikTok came for me for the hot second. And my agent at the time was like, private those videos or delete them. Like those can't be on your profile. You can't like have this crazy, these crazy people dragging your name because you are washing your hair with a product. Like it's so stupid. And I was, it was a moment where like, I genuinely was like, holy shit, there's literally mean people out there that all they do is try to bring other people down. It's crazy. Based on the fucking shampoo you use. Oh my God, get a life. Like, <laughs> How like, do these people have time for this? That's my biggest question. Like, how do they, get, where do they get paid? What do you, go see your family, go talk to your grandpa, Bob. So yeah, that, that was really crazy. And it just also put things into perspective where like that experience on TikTok affected me so much and it was probably like a three hour ordeal where I just deleted everything really quickly (laughs) yeah calmed down was like okay I'm moving on and also by the way I will say people were literally tagging me and blocking and like making videos like oh Gigi uses Monet and I'm like oh my god so I literally just went through blocked deleted whatever but the point there is I was like this affected me so much in an hour or a couple hours. I cannot imagine the scrutiny that huge creators go under Honestly. when they get canceled. And again, that's why I decided like it was almost then and there that I was like, I need to talk about mental health on these platforms and how this is is really affecting us. There's also other things that have happened on Instagram where like within the chronically ill community, there's Reddit threads of literally cuckoo people who try to disprove that you have a chronic illness again get a life bob Uh, literally Um, what (laughs) i know it's obscene and i just get it it can be very scary to be vulnerable on the internet but at the same time you can't take it personally you just have to remember like bob get a life i and i'm saying bob no no hate (laughs) to all the bobs out there that's just like my imaginary persona my go-to like you know your annoying person on the internet. So <laughs> anyway, that was a huge tangent, but those were a couple experiences just to remind you that it's not all rainbows and butterflies in GG yeah. world. Sometimes we do go through some crazy <laughs> things out here. <laughs> those are all experiences that I think every influencer going into this industry should just equip themselves to handle those kind of things. Because like, no matter what you're talking about, there is always going to be someone who is going to disagree with you. And a lot of the times on social media, people have no problem telling you that they disagree with you. So you just have to find a way to, again, just let it roll off your back and block them, delete it, whatever you have to do, but it's almost inevitable, unfortunately. Absolutely. So this was awesome. So at the end of every episode, I have every guest ask me a question of their choice. So let's hear yours. Yes. Recently, I know that you mentioned that you're traveling. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you're managing your business while you're traveling? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, we're doing a trip to Cartagena, which I'm actually very excited about. I've never been and it seems very cool. We're actually hosting the trip through Trova Trip, which has 
been actually a really great experience. They pretty much handle everything, like all of the logistics for you. Um, and so on this trip in particular, we're actually doing a bunch of like little seminars and little photography workshops and things like that. So that's one way that we're incorporating what I do for my business into that trip. But in general, when we're traveling, it's really nice to be able to work remotely. I will say sometimes it's really difficult because you're on vacation and you want to go enjoy your vacation. But at the end of the day, I think it really is just about finding a way to be productive. For me, that's getting up earlier in the morning. I go out where I can see my beautiful view wherever I am or like still enjoy the different environment, but I'll try and get a bunch of work done, you know, a couple hours. And then I can go out and and finish enjoying my day of vacation. And maybe if there's things I still need to get done, we do it before we go to bed or whatever. But I try to work around the, the majority of the middle of the day so that I can have kind of the whole day to explore. And one of the cool things about our jobs is like me going out somewhere on vacation and like, sharing what I'm seeing is actually part of my job. So it's pretty cool that I'm able to have those experiences and and share them with people and still feel like I'm getting something accomplished, (laughs) I guess you could say. Yeah. I love that. Love it. Yes. It's a lot of fun. I, I love traveling. However, I have realized this year that I I am definitely more of a homebody than I ever thought I was. <laughs> like I would be, I would rather be nowhere else than on my couch with my dogs watching Shark Tank on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Truly. This was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. For anyone who is listening, where can we find you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. So much good info in this episode. GGRobinson.com. Google my name, GG Robinson. My handle's the same at it's GG Robinson everywhere. G-I-G-I-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. So that's about (laughs) it. Amazing. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kbusk. See you next week.